Good morning again. Well, we are going through our series on core values. They're going to put it up there, any? The there it is, the core values. Last week we began our series, and these are the five core values that we at Genesis hold on to. These are the things that direct all that we do. We go through this once a year so that we can keep on focus Lord, the things that the Lord would have for us. And if you're new here, I want you to know what we are about. These are the things that we think about when we make decisions. Do they line up with these core values? And last week we talked about the first one, which was the... It gave, we had... Trying to losing my thoughts here. We use the metaphor. That was the word I was looking for. Metaphor. I had all these other words coming in. I like, no, that's not it. That's not it. The metaphor we used was wind. And the core value is mission is why the church exists. And we had to kind of define what we meant by mission, and that was a movement, just as the wind would move the sail of a boat or or would move the grass we are people who are supposed to be moved by the spirit of god that jesus breathed symbolically on his disciples and said receive the spirit and then he told them to go and make disciples and we talked about what it meant to be a disciple it was a learner to help people understand who God is. And so mission is why the church exists. We're, we're meant to move out and bring the awareness of God, the love of God to those around us. And we talked about the idea of church too. It is not a building. It, it is people. God doesn't fill buildings. He feel, fills people. And so mission is why we exist, to be a continuation of what Jesus has done, bringing information, knowledge, awareness of who God is to everyone. And that's why we, we are here. But the second one that we're going to be talking about today is the metaphor water. And basically now this is love is the context of all mission. And so if we are to be people who are moving out and taking the awareness of who God is to the people, it's important that we do it in the right way. If we are people of the wind, disciples, then how we do things or why we do things is as important as what it is we're doing. It's important that if we're going to be people who are bringing this message of God to the world, that we're doing it with the right motive, that we're doing it in the context that God has set it in. And so love is the context of all mission. I mean, Paul said in, in Corinthians chapter 13 that if I speak with the tongues of men and angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so love is the important why of what it is we do. And it has to be. 
Not only does it has to be the why, it has to be seen in the why. So that if we are going to be people who are carrying the awareness of God to a world that is broken, they have to know that it is because God loves them and because we love them as well. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is the benchmark. This is how people see who we are is because we love one another. And love is one of these very complicated things. Love shows up in so many ways. I mean, you love your children. It's something you do. And so you care for your children, but sometimes the reason you care for them is because you have to. I'm trying to be honest here, okay? I know that there are times when you, especially you moms, get up in the morning and don't say, oh boy, I get to take care of my child. I get to go if they're babies. I get to go change their diapers. I, I get to go feed them and clean up the mess that they make. And, and I get to cater to their every whim. And I get to go and make sure they're entertained when they're crying and whining and, and crawling and walking. And it, it goes on through lives. It's like, I have to. We, we do things that we have to, but behind the have to is the care. I love you, so I want to care for you, but it is difficult. And it's one of those things that is difficult because it is what it requires of us. And love is sacrificial. It requires of us. You don't always want to, but love is stronger than the want. And you see, the idea here is that people matter more. Your your child matters more than your sleep. So you have to get up and care for them. Your, your, Your children matter more than your comfort, so you change your life to accommodate the needs. And how many parents have found that out, that it doesn't change, that it doesn't stop when they're babies, that it just evolves, right? It evolves when they become teenagers and then they become young adults. You don't stop having to give of yourself to them. Why? Well, you have to. Why do you have to? Because it's something that is driving you to do it. And that why is important because if you just did these things because, well, I had to because I don't want to go to jail, you know, 
if if child protection services come in and takes me away or if I, you know, neglect my kids, well, no, we, we do it because we have to, but the have to is connected to the want to. There, there's something underlining that, but it's complicated and it's difficult. And it's important to understand the difficulty that's involved with love because if love is the context of why we do what we want, we have to understand the complexity that is there in it because it's not always as simple as we'd like it to be and it's not always as easy as we'd want things to be. There's a passage we're going to look at in Exodus chapter 32. If you'll turn there, with me. Exodus chapter 32. This is one of those pictures where we kind of get a anthropomorphic picture of God, where, where God speaks to us, but he speaks to us kind of in human language that I, is supposed to be language that we can more clearly understand. But some of the things that take place here are difficult to grasp hold of. And as I was thinking of what's a a good example of love being the context of what we we do, this passage came to mind. And at first I wanted like, well, this is kind of a tough passage. I don't really want to talk about this. Let's find something more flowery and easy. But let's talk about what's real. Because that's the world we live in and that's the world that God wants us to love in. And so in... Exodus chapter 32, verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So you guys know the story. Moses went into Egypt, said, Let my people go. God had raised up this man to be the one to help deliver them from the slavery that was there in Egypt. And so now they are just coming out of that through some miraculous things, incredible things. Here they are on the other side, and and one of the first things they do is they want to go back to the gods that they had just been delivered from, the gods that actually enslaved them the gods that they were familiar with. Verse 2, Aaron answered, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earring, off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And so you have to, again, have in mind the picture of of what's happening where, where God, who had made an agreement with Abraham, saying, I am going to be your God. You will be my people. I am the Lord. I am your God. They go into Egypt with that awareness. There are the years with Joseph that turn into a place where they no longer remember Joseph. They go into a place of slavery. And now God hears their cries in their slavery and says, okay, I'll deliver you. By the way, God always hears the cries of those who are enslaved because 
God cares. Because God loves. Which is why God does what he does. And so God hears their cries. They come out. They're delivered. But they want to worship idols. Verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early, sacrificed burst offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. After they sat down to eat and drink, got up to indulge in revelry. Now we don't have a whole lot of clarification what that is, but it ain't good, okay? Indulge. If, if your kids come up, hey, Dad, I want to go out this weekend and indulge in revelry, say no, okay? Just probably the best idea. Then, verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Interesting, God says, these are your people, you brought them out. And Moses is saying, no, they're your people, you brought them out. Kind of like husband and wife. That's your child. (laughs) Verse 12. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as stars in the sky. I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. It's a troubling passage because of the picture we have here. We, we have this picture of an angry God and a man who's standing in between God and this wrath. We, we have a picture of Moses saying, stop, stop, don't do this. And that troubles us because... If God is really upset, is there anyone who's going to stop him? And what I think we lose here is the intention of the emotion. Because you're not just getting a, a, a understanding of a God who is angry. What you're doing is getting the understanding of a parent who cares. Cares enough to act. You see, the opposite of love is not hate. Because there are some things 
that the people I love do that I hate. How about you? There are things that my children have done that I've seen that's destroying you and I hate it. You see, the opposite of love is apathy, is just not caring at all. And what we never see revealed about God in Scripture is a God who's apathetic, a God who could care less. What we see is a God who is in Hence, in how much he cares. And, and I don't know about you, but as a parent, there have been times where Corrine has had to stand in between me and judgment. <laughs> where, where she has had to stand and remind me, this is your child, you love them. But you see, my, my wrath, my anger wasn't there just because it was angry. My anger was there because I was hurt. It, it was there because I cared. It was there because love is not apathetic. Love is passionate. It cares enough that it has to respond. And... There are times where you love so much that you get angry. And it seems like a contradiction, but it's part of the dynamic and the complexity of what love is. Where if you didn't care, you would let them do whatever they want. But because you care, you make a statement. You make a stand, you, you direct and you correct and you involve yourself with them. And, and I think God is more concerned with whether or not we care than what we know. I think God wants us to be a people who care, not a people who know. That's what Paul was talking about in Corinthians 13. If I have all knowledge... Good for you. Do you care? And so what God is is moving us to and what God is, I believe, revealing here is, Moses, do you care? So many times we focus on the wrong things. We, We focus on the smaller things. We want people to think like we do. And so we try to persuade people to think like we do. And I don't think God is as concerned with what we think as he is with what we care about. See, I don't think God wants us to get people to think like us. I think God wants us to get people to care like him. And it's more important to care than it is to be right. But we are so set on being right. We are so determined to make our way the right way that in the process, we start losing the heart that cares. And pretty soon, the mission isn't about 
connecting people to a God who loves them. The mission is getting people to believe like we believe. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. It's funny, you know, whenever you have a big event, a sporting event, you know, NBA Finals, and I don't really care, the Lakers aren't there, so it's not important. But those who are in Sacramento area want Golden State as opposed to the Cavs, right? And there are people who pray for their team to win. Oh, they do. And they want Golden State to win. And it's almost like, well, if more people pray for Golden State to win, they'll beat the Cavs. But if more people pray for the Cavs, then maybe they'll win over Golden State. Who does God want to win? As if God cares about who wins the NBA Finals. See, I don't think God cares about who wins. I think what God cares about is whoever does win, that they would have a character of honor, and whoever does lose would be able to lose in a way of with integrity. You see, I think God cares about deeper things than who wins the game. I think God cares about the heart of the matter and the heart of the people. We want God to do things our way, and what God wants is for people to have the right character, the right attitude, the right heart. And you see, that's what we're seeing here in Moses. Jump down to verse 31. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. There was no denying what had happened. They had turned their back on all that God had been representing to them and done for them and said, Well, we want this instead. But now, verse 32, Please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Then the Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf Aaron had made. You see... Again, this anthropomorphic picture of God that's so disturbing for us, a God who repents, a God who who now judges, a, a God who seems to be the angry one, is really what he's doing is revealing the heart of a servant who actually has his heart. And one of the things that Moses says here is, Lord, If you're going to get rid of them, get rid of me too. Where does that come from? Where does that originate? This desire that says, I I cannot go on if it's without them. I can't continue if I don't continue with them. 
And really what this passage is doing is it's revealing a heart and a character of someone who is God's servant. But the only way we can see that is to have a contrast. And God is providing the the scenario to show us the contrast of the person he chose to represent him. It was a person who said, if they can't go... I don't want to go either. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Starting at verse 7, John writes, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And what we're seeing in Moses take place there in Exodus is what John is talking about here. We're seeing that God cared enough for us to involve himself. I care enough to involve myself. You see, because love is the context of all mission. Love is not going to be apathetic. It is going to step in because we see something that we want to help in. And it's that that moves us. You know, we've been involved with Mexico as well as in Haiti. And a few years back, I, I spoke at one of the conferences that I did in La Paz. And as I was there, I didn't know any of the people there. I don't even speak the language. I can order myself a few tacos and that's about it. But after one of, actually after the whole conference, I sat down and had dinner with a handful of people, some young people that were there and got to know them. And as I got to know them, I started caring about La Paz. Before that, it was just a nice place, had a good beach, had some good tacos. But when I met them, it brought meaning to why I was there. And so the reason we have done a number of things in La Paz and are involved with this handful of people is because I care about them. See, the reason we're in Haiti is because Denise cares about the people of Haiti. And her love for those people affected us. Because God has given us an example in what He has done, we are now able to take that example and do the same thing. I have to go. Why? Because I care. I have to get up in the morning when my child is crying. Why? I have to. 
Why do you have to? Because I'm being driven. I'm being driven by love. I'm being driven because I care. You see, we seem to think that if we make enough changes and get people to stop doing things and start doing the right things, that we can make the world a better place. We, we seem to think if we make enough new laws, we're going to remedy society. We, we seem to think that, well, if you get your Republican agenda or if you get your Democratic agenda in place, then you will make the difference. And we stopped believing that love is the key that will actually transform the world no matter who you are. When did we stop believing love is what is necessary to change the hearts and the lives of people wherever they are, whoever they are? And stop trying to make a law to change how people act and start loving the way God loves because we're not going to be apathetic in a situation where we see a need. We will step into that need because we have to. I heard Irwin share a story and it led me to to start Googling some things and looking on YouTube. You ever go to that where you look on YouTube and you end up, you know, seeing, you know, a cat playing a piano to, you know, and then you're watching people jump out of airplanes with jetpacks, you know, I mean, it's like, how did I get here? And so I started watching these videos of people saving people who were trapped, And there's a car that's on fire and you see these people run up to the car and there's a man stuck underneath the car and they go and they lift the car up and they pull him out. And there's one in London where there's this big double-decker bus, you know, those huge red buses. And a motorcycle is trapped underneath. The man on the motorcycle is trapped under the bus. And you're watching the video and you hear this woman saying, oh, somebody help him. Oh, please, somebody help him. And it's hard to see, but all of a sudden this crowd starts gathering around this huge bus. And these people start moving into this bus and somewhere in this crowd, someone grabs the bus and thinks he can lift it. How absurd. Who can grab a bus that weighs tons and lift it? But one person does and another person does. And how can 10 people lift this bus? It's impossible. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. But they can't help it. And then the 10 turn into 20, that turn into 40, that turn into 50. And you see, because someone cares enough to step in and to grab and say, I have to. I cannot let this go on any longer. And they lift and they lift and pretty soon a tribe gathers and they're able to do the impossible and take someone out of that condition. It all began because they cared enough that they had to. And love is the context of everything that we do. We have to care. If we stop caring, we stop representing God. If anyone does not recognize the value of people, they will never represent Jesus. And it doesn't matter who the person is, I will not be apathetic towards them. 
And it doesn't matter what the situation is. I cannot be apathetic in it. And if we're going to do something, if we're going to do anything, it's going to be because we have to. And the reason we have to is because we care too much not to. And that has to be our motive. It has to remain our motive. And it doesn't matter if it's building a cafeteria in Haiti or it's singing songs with the kids on a Saturday morning. Everything we do is going to be motivated, fueled by the fact that we care and we love. It has to be. And and as we've said all along, we can do more together than we can do by ourselves. And that's why we're a community. And that's why this is one of our core values. Because we believe the absurd. We believe that we can change the world if we effectively represent Jesus. Because we believe we can make a difference in our community and in a larger community, in our families and in our places of work and in our schools. We believe we can actually help people. And we will stand in the gap and say, I will not leave unless this is done. If this is going to be wiped out, I'm going down with the ship. I care too much. I have to stand here. And the picture we get, I believe, so beautifully of Moses in God, as God is making a canvas to help us be aware of what love looks like, what a person who is God's messenger looks like, is a person who stands up and says, if they're going, I'm going with them. If this car is burning, I'm going to burn with it trying to get this person out. If this bus will not move, I will break my back until I cannot pull any harder because I have to. Love is dangerous. It hurts. The greatest pain in my life has been from those who I love the most. But it hurts more not to love. It costs too much not to care. And so this is at the core of who we are this love that is to drive us. And so mission is why the church is here. We are here to be the voice of God to the world. But love is the context of all mission. It is at the heart and core of everything that we do. Otherwise, we shouldn't do it. Let's pray. Lord, we have read a story of a man who cared enough to put his life on the line. Lord, there have been so many examples throughout history. Not just Moses. There's been 
Mother Teresa's, there's been Paul's, there's been so many people who are examples who have stepped into something because they care too much not to. Father, there is so much hurt. There is so much brokenness. There is so much prejudice. There is so much hatred in the world around us. And what the world needs is not a law to stop it. What the world needs is a heart to care. May we be the hearts that care. May we be the internal revolution that changes the lives of everyone we encounter. And Lord, may everything we do here at Genesis be motivated by this love. May we be driven to the place where we risk our own lives. We take our time. We take of our resources. We we take of the things that are of value to us. And we step all in. Because whatever it is we do, it is going to be driven by this love. And Lord, we refuse to become apathetic. Help us, Lord. Give us courage. Give us your heart, even as you did in Moses. And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Jason's going to lead us in one last song. May the God who gave his son give you the clarity to know what love looks like. May he give you not only the care, but the passion. And may everyone know that you are his disciples because of how you love. God bless you guys. Have a great day.